0: What is up everybody? I'm George Massey. So I'm here with a very special guest. This is Miss Molly Hopkins. And you guys don't know, but I have been trying to get Molly Hopkins on my show for a very long time and we couldn't make it work. And now she's finally here. I feel beyond honored to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. I'm so excited.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. You know, sometimes life gets in the way and sometimes people tell you, you can't talk to folks, you know, but as long as we know what we're talking about and we're here to just, you know, seal some deals and do some things, I'm excited too. You know, I'm of the belief that whether it's one, nun or a ton of listeners, somebody somewhere is going to be impacted and, uh you know, learn a little tea about me, but really for the TIT, I think today.
0: <laughs> yes, that that is definitely one of the subjects we're going to talk about, which is different From my podcast, but I have checked the analytics and 85% of the people who listen to my podcast are women. So I think a lot of people are going to hear this and that they're not used to hearing it from me, but I want to first get to know you a little bit better because we know you as the reality TV star. We know you as the boss. I want to get to know Molly. So what kind of music do you like? Like, are you an all around type music person? Cause I listen to everything. I even listen to some country. So like what kind of music is blasting in your car when you're on your way to work?
1: So, I have to tell you, you said country. Um, I grew up in the country, as you probably know, um, and you may or may not know, but I went to school for music. I thought I was going to be teaching theory and running a mega choir somewhere. I grew up in the church um, producing musicals, playing piano. I can play a ton of instruments. So, music is uh, very near and dear to my heart. Um, I listen to everything, but as of lately, I'm really into Blanco Brown. He is a black country artist. He just did a track with T.I. They rode in on horse to the Atlanta game. And I just really love this man because if you didn't know he was black, you would be like, once people find out when I play it for them, they're like, oh, my gosh, he has so much soul. He's so country and he's so great. But it's got that backbeat, right, that we're used to. I mean, I really love I love awesome lyricists, but there's really no genre of music that I don't listen to. Um, when I go to foreign countries and I'm in the car, I just got back from Dubai. We were on our way to the sand dunes, and our driver for the safari was like, What kind of music do you want to listen to? And I'm like, I want to listen to your music. What do you listen to? You know, what's vibing right over here? Because I feel like music can cross cultures and cross barriers. So I love all kinds of music.
0: I love that. I actually also grew up in the country. I'm from Louisiana. So I grew up in the church, singing in the church. So country music, it just reminds me so much of church music. So I definitely listen to that. I mean, I listen to everything. I listen to Drake. I'm like I listen to everything, but I love the idea that you are all around with your music. So, so if you're a recording artist, what would your stage name be?
1: Honestly, I kind of have one already. It's Molly T. Um, because a lot of people call me Molly Teresa and I have a big tattoo of mother Teresa on my back. And when I was in college, um, I used to go to Atlanta and go to a bunch of underground studios. It was when outcast was really popping. And there was a lot of people, um, in Atlanta doing hip hop and performing. And I played piano and I could do beats. Um, but I'm also a writer. So I think that that just stemmed from almost like, not that this, 47-year-old white girl is going to go up on a stage and start rapping. But I always tell myself I could ghostwrite a chart-topping hit for sure. And I know it's kind of funny because a lot of the 90-day people say they sing or they do whatever. But it truly is my background. Um, And just the other night, because I was at a Christmas party and I had a couple cocktails and I was on the good foot. So I was not feeling, um, you know, like any kind of way except this be myself and sometimes it takes a little bit of that liquid courage to go into like a cipher and so I um ended up sitting at a round table making up rhymes off the cuff with a bunch of young cats and I actually had a a great time (laughs) I was just taken back to 20 years ago when because I, you know, I could rhyme off the cuff. So that was really fun for me, but it would be Molly T. <laughs>
0: I'm excited to hear that you have this musical background because I had no idea. You don't really talk about it. You have so many talents. You do so many things, but I didn't I had no idea that you could write music and play music and went to school for music. I'm I'm literally mind blown right now.
1: I'm kind of trying to dive back into it a little bit. I think that life got in the way and then I started my business and I started, you know, doing All the things that I do and then the reality stuff hit and it kind of took a backseat. But when I was on Double Divas um, on Lifetime, I actually wrote our theme song and I actually helped co-write some of the lyrics. They bought the rights back then to It Takes Two from Rob Bass. And I helped co-write the lyrics and performed it and made a music video in the studio.
0: (laughs) I've seen that video online. I love it, by the way. I've seen it online. I I I really want to see you get back into music. It's never too late. And I feel like you have talent and you have so many different talents. So we want to see you kind of embrace all of those.
1: I feel like it's going to happen because one of my um, vision board things since I was very little and obviously, as you know, is you're a follower and. There's a lot of haters, but there's also a lot of lovers. I have more love than hate. But one of the hate messages I get the most is, oh, my God, her voice is so annoying. Does she really talk like that? And my whole life, children really gravitate to me. And a lot of people tell me that their kids think I sound like a cartoon character. And interestingly enough, I always wanted to do voiceover for um, cartoons, but I wanted a singing part. So Disney was real high on the radar Um, so I'm hopeful that that might be about to pop off. I just landed my first voiceover gig. So I've been working and diving into that and I'm always trying to just educate myself and learn more about the industry. So now that I've got some filming and, reality stuff under my belt, I think I'm going to take it a step further.
0: I can't wait to hear your voice over <laughs> debut. I'm very excited. I love to hear things like this because so many people, they watch these shows, they think they know you. They think they know everything that you're about and what you have going on. And they have no idea who you really are.
1: At the end of the day, I'm a crazy, loud, fun-loving, loving life, adventurous, carefree spirit. Um, and yes, I've made some crazy decisions. I may have lost <laughs> mind for a moment, but with a lot of stuff, you know, people don't really know all the back-end details of how all those things occur, but, you know, I had a good run uh, for a couple years, and then when he got here, things fell apart, but I wouldn't take that back. I mean, I even went there on a mission and sang Christian songs in Spanish with the kids in the Campo in Santo Domingo, so there's a lot of different levels to this crazy girl. (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right, so if money was not an option cuz I know you you travel a lot. If you could go anywhere in the world and you can take anyone with you on a vacation anywhere, where would you go and what would you guys do?
1: I would probably take my bestie um and my makeup artist Nat. He just got back from uh Peru and he's been studying uh to be a shaman. He does a lot of holistic healing. He is um my guy, like that's my bestie. Um, and I think that we would probably go to Japan or go to China. Um, I've always wanted to go and just see all the fun fashion in Japan. And I've always wanted to go to China to really dive deeper into what happens there from garment construction and the families and the people, but also just to see the culture. Um, Obviously, over the last couple of years, no one really had the desire to do that. But it's still very much on my plate. I just got back from Dubai. Um, I hosted a trip with Wander XO, and it was incredible. And a lot of people were fearful. They're like, oh, my God, you're going to Dubai. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. It was the most culturally enriched trip that I've been on. The food was amazing. The country was clean. But what I enjoyed was going into the old soup market there and being clothed in their, you know, garments and having my head wrapped up and doing all the things. Plus, I wanted to know a little more about the Muslim culture there because having been more introduced to it on the show and and really just trying to find my way with my own spiritual path, I feel like it's so important to understand other countries and nationalities and religions to really cultivate what you believe in your own self I mean I have a great belief system I was born and raised in the south in the first row of the first Baptist church you know and my dad was a deacon but there's so much more to this life so I think that I would take Nat and we would go plus he's my baby, and I don't know if you know but Gay boys are fantastic, and he's going to tell me, girl, don't wear that, or he's going to fix my lash, or he's going to do all the things that make me feel good about me, and that's what I would do.
0: I love that, and I love that your best friend is honest with you. I feel like that's so important. Having a best friend that's going to be honest and tell you not to do things that are going to make you look crazy or stupid is important because sometimes people get yes friends. They're just like, yeah, you should do that. Yeah, you should do that. And then you end up doing crazy things. So I love that your relationship is close enough to where he's gonna be like, girl, don't be doing that. That's not right. I want to talk about expressions, right? So a lot of people live by these expressions. For some people, as you live and you learn the grass is greener on the other side. What kind of expressions do you live by? Like, especially it's it's Christmas time and people have like these superstitions and things that they do around the holidays. What kind of expression do you live by? Because you've accomplished so much. So I know it has to do with motivation and determination. So I'm just wondering, what do you give yourself a pep talk with in the morning? What do you say?
1: Well, when I first wake up, I um, spend a few moments just really grounding myself and prepping myself for the day because at any given moment, you don't know what's going to come at you. That's a negative force. It could be a post that you see online. It could be something you hear on the radio. It could be a television show. It could be, you know, a client in my store. And even in the face of adversity or the negativity or all the things, um, my mantra has always kind of been, uh, it's cliche, but it's, you know expect nothing and appreciate everything. Because when you come into something with super high expectation, if it doesn't turn out the way that you thought, but you weren't going into it with this high level of expectation, then you can appreciate the journey or the moments or what you learned and you're not leaving there feeling defeated. I think often two times we put so much faith and stock in our own self when sometimes outside forces come in that have us having to pivot or change or do something different. And even in my past with relationships, with the way I was raised, with the things that I've came in contact with, um, it's all a moment for learning. It's all a moment for learning. And how do you take that and not internalize it and not put it back out? So for me, it's just find the good in everything. My dad used to tell me growing up, you know, it could always be worse. You always have tomorrow. Just let today go and start over. And I think that even in, you know, where I'm at in my life with all different types of areas, that's where I'm at. You can't, you can't pack those bags up and bring them with you. They were unpacked, leave them there, get a new bag, get a new thing, you know, and just stay focused, stay focused on what, what drives you and your passion and expect nothing and appreciate everything.
0: I really, really love that. And entering things with high expectations, it definitely sets you up for being disappointed. So I really love that. All right, guys. So that's it for part one. We're going to come back with part two, and we're going to talk about breasts and bras. And that's interesting for me because that's a new subject for me, but that is not a new subject for Miss Molly Hopkins. All right, guys, I'm George Massey. Make sure you tune into my podcast every week, and we'll talk to you all really soon. I'm George Massey, so are you obsessed with 90 Day Fiance? Can you not get enough of 90 Day Fiance? Do you look forward to every Sunday when you hear previously on 90 Day Fiance? Then guess what? We are actually friends, you just don't know it yet. Or are you really into TLC shows? I cover all the TLC shows from Smothered. Smothered has aired season four, episode five. This was a Family Chantel. This is the Family Chantel season four. Seeking Sister Wife. Seeking Sister Wife runs season four episode. I Love a Mama's Boy. I Love a Mama's Boy. David and Annie after the 90 days. This is the David and Annie after the 90 days recap podcast. The Single Life, whatever it is that you love about the 90 day universe, I cover it. Are you disappointed when the show goes off because the conversation shouldn't end? I feel the same way. I think you should check out my website, georgemossey.com, And follow me on all socials, at georgemossie, so we can continue the conversation of all of our favorite TLC shows and be among like-minded fans. Again, I'm George Mossie. Check me out at, at @georgemossey on all platforms. And make sure you go to my website, georgemossey.com, for all your favorite 90 Day Fiance and TLC show updates. Bye all right guys we are back i am back here with miss molly hopkins this is part two if you checked out part one we're switching the gears a little bit and we're going to talk a bit more about your business because we know you from reality tv we know you from double divas and we know you from the franchise of 90 day fiance but what a lot of people are learning about you now is that you've started your own business which is a very very successful business so i want to get a little background on that how did a bra business and lingerie business come about and i know you started with your bestie cynthia so was this like a combination of two ideas, or did Cynthia come to you with an idea, or did you come to Cynthia with an idea? How did this, how was this born?
1: Well, basically, um, when we last spoke, I was telling you that I went to school for music. And <laughs> when I was there, I was helping all my sorority sisters, all the girls, anytime a formal came up. And I had been doing this all along because I've had a sewing machine going since I was three. Wow. And I've had boobs since the fourth grade. So when That's- I was. T- I told my grandmother that I wanted to open a bra store when I got grown. Well, that idea kind of fleeted and it was gone. But when I was in college and I realized that doing all the things musically that I wanted to do was being suppressed through the amount of workload of schoolwork that I just wasn't into it anymore. And I was just really struggling and I didn't know what to do. And one night I had a vision and I had a dream and she came to me and she said, go get my machine, go get my stuff, you need to go to fashion school, and basically, the whole vision was laid out in front of me, how I was going to go there, because it was a private college, and it was very expensive, and I currently was on a scholarship for uh, vocal and piano and academics, so I had no idea, my parents thought I was crazy, there was not going to be any money for this, and I didn't know how I was going to do it, so... I basically just went there and did my thing and told them what I wanted to do. And I ended up with a scholarship and went to fashion school in Atlanta. While I was there, I took specialty swim design because I never could find tops to fit me. And I always got stuck in old lady one pieces. And I hated it. Even though I'm a bigger girl, like I wanted to wear cute bathing suits, you know. So while I was working and in school... There was a lingerie store across the hall that was super high end in Phipps Plaza, and if you're not familiar with that, it is the, you know, super high end mall in Georgia that has all of your designer stores: Versace, Gucci, Dolce Gabbana, those. And in the middle of that was a bra shop, and the owner was my client. Almost every day at the bar I worked at while I was in school, she came and ate lunch with me. And one day they came in and they said, "We're hosting a fit event this weekend." And, uh, the lady who trains for the corsetier for the queen in England is coming to do the fittings. We want you to come. So we really know we can help you. They knew I was in a terrible bra. It was such a problem. And, um, I was just forcing myself and everything that there was available. So I went over there, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know how expensive the bras were. And I got nervous because they were like, go in the room. We're going to take your shirt off. And it was this really amazing lady named Tony. I didn't know she was amazing at the time until I went to work there. <laughs> I was scared. They didn't know I just got my tax return and that I was going to spend all my money. But because I was in high end mall and I came in in my college clothes, I probably had on a tracksuit and tennis shoes. I felt some kind of way about that. So I left. And finished was going to school one day they came to me and said we would we want to hire you to work in our buying office because we're losing our girl and we think you'll be great we love your personality we do you want to come work for us so I said okay well at that time then I ended up getting the fitting learning all the things working in the back office but I knew very quickly that I wanted to help people and they were getting ready to be on Oprah and they knew when they went on Oprah, the the owner of the company, that their business was going to explode. Um, I had left for a little bit and they called me. So I had went back and I said, I'm coming back and they're like, but you're not going to be doing the same job. You got to be a bra fitter. And I was like, okay. I didn't really know, but I knew because I had been constructing my own garments for so long, doing alterations, been to fashion school. I knew I could do it. And they said, you're going to be on a 90 day probationary period. And then we're going to pay you commission. And I said, After six days and I had led the top sales in the sales floor with nobody to train me and was spot on with my fit, I said, I want my commission now. And I won't guarantee that this is what we're doing because this is for me. It was always been for me. It's been a vision my whole life. It just got brought to life. So that's what happened. And at that time, Cynthia worked remotely from home. So we knew each other, but we didn't know each other. But they had called her back same time to fit. And what happened was we realized very quickly that we didn't care if you had $50 or $5,000 to spend. We gave you the same level of service. It was a very cutthroat sales job in a high-end store. And one day I went to lunch, which we never did because there was too many people to leave that we couldn't not help them. So we never went. to. And I was sitting at the table and I was like, I want to do mastectomy fittings. I want to do prosthetics for cancer patients. I want to sell sexy. I want to go past the size they stop at because there was women coming there that I had nothing for. And it made me very upset because I knew it was available, but it just yeah. was for their store. And so I basically went home and on a wing and a bunch of prayers told everybody I'm quitting this really great job with paid benefits and vacation pay. And I'm going to open my own store and I don't know where, and I don't have a lot of money, but it's going to happen.
0: Wow. That and is amazing. That happened. It sounds like, like that sounds like a movie. It sounds like it's not even a real story. Like you really left an amazing job where you were doing amazing and you decided to help people. And that was more important. And I love that it has paid off for you because in the end, kindness wins. You wanted to do things for everyone. And regardless if they were a millionaire or not, you wanted to make them feel comfortable and you wanted to make them feel important. And I feel like that is why you're so successful because you treat everyone the way that they should be treated. You make all the women feel like they're important. You give them the attention they need and you're giving them the right bra size. Because we learned when you were on one of the tell-alls, most women aren't wearing the right bra size and they're actually doing damage to their bodies and their backs. I didn't even realize that.
1: There's so much science behind it and there's so much technique. I mean, it's very technical. Bras are so many and so vast, but we've been shoved down our throats for years and years. This specific ad or these specific companies that have these multi million dollars. And to be honest with you, George, no one looks like that. You can take a random group of women out of a grocery store or a church or a school or anywhere, even in Hollywood, okay, where people are lean or they're implanted or whatever. No one really fits that creed. And what I try to tell people is, why would you leave the health of your breast, the fit of your bras up to a kiosk or a store in a mall that hires teenagers? Exactly. They haven't been through weight loss and gain. They haven't been through children. They haven't been through hormonal changes. They haven't done any of this. And not only that, they're not going to understand that as a 47-year-old woman, I still want to have my groove. I still want to look good. And even though I'm 20 pounds more than I want to be, I still love myself and I deserve the sexy and that's not easy for somebody who hasn't been through these life experiences. So, yeah. or I do it the longer I've done it, the better I get at identifying issues that women have with their self before they ever even come in and take their clothes off. Mm-hmm. Because when the clothes come off and the curtains closed, the secrets spill out. And I have learned so much about these women they become my friends. After they become my clients, they come to events, they're fans. And I honestly believe had I not been through all the stuff I've been through in my life or even dated a younger man or tried to find love in a foreign place or had issues with my kids and my own breast and my own weight issues. If I didn't have those things, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing because in that dressing room is one and the mirror is the devil. It is one of the most vulnerable places we can be with a complete stranger who's looking at us naked, right? Cause the only people who do that usually are your significant other and your doctor. So I make it easy for them and I let them know. And sometimes I pull my shirt up and I'm like, would it make you feel better if I pull my shirt up too?
0: <laughs> that does help sometimes. I mean, when I go to the doctor and I have to take off my clothes, I feel very insecure and I know that my doctor is not interested in me at all. <laughs> I still feel insecure, right? So I don't know. It's just uh, insecurity. We all share. So you're 90-day royalty in the franchise, and it's kind of an expectation that all the new ladies that enter in to the franchise, they go through Livy Ray Lingerie and they get fitted. It's kind of like a rite of passage now. So a lot of the ladies make reels and they share with us the bra creations that you've created for them. So I kind of want to talk about that. How did that come about? Who was the first person that came through your store and then started this tradition?
1: So the first person that I fit was Rebecca, obviously on the tell-all. Yeah. And the- Thing is, is that I just pulled up pictures of her and took a bra. I took like four sizes. I'm like, she's either gonna be this or this. There's no way I can miss this. Um, and she too was wearing a bra that was three sizes too small in her cups. And when we did the the bears all and everybody, even the, the camera guys, when I, she transitioned from the bathroom where I fit her and came back out, it was dead silent. And I heard everybody go, Oh wow, like it was that thing. So that worked out great for me just prior to COVID to be able to do virtual fittings. So she was my first. And I've reached out to a ton of people. Um, they had me talk about Darcy's changes in her breast, and I, I was, you know, spot on. But I have tried to re- reach out to Tanya um, because I posted something one time, and she didn't think it was very nice. And I wasn't trying to be tactful. I think, the way that I said it made it sound mean, but what I was trying to say was just in my crazy kitschy way, like, girl, your bras terrible. Like, but she didn't like that. So it created a little bit of but I told her and I sent her a message and I said, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. I really wasn't trying to make you feel bad, but I haven't fit her yet. She doesn't really care though about bras. Um I have fit
0: I saw that you fit Veronica, right? I,
1: Veronica. I fit Jasmine. I fit Emily. I fit Ariella. Uh, I tried to fit Pal, too, but then she kind of j- jumped off the wagon. Um, I'm going to get ready to fit Miona. I would love to fit Angela. She's here in my state. We don't live that close together, but, you know, the problem when women have breast jobs or surgeries, they are of the belief system that they don't need to wear a bra. Oh, and that- I'm fine and well, but you're going to have to protect your investment. I always say you cannot buy a Benz and put the good gas in it. You just can't. You need it. It's the structural foundation for your undergarment. So at some point, I'm probably going to fit Angela. But honestly, I would love to fit everybody. Because if you're not buying your bra from a specialty store, you are not in the right size. And I think the most demonstrative fitting that I did that we did was jasmine and it's she's a tiny frame yeah and she's a 30 around and they don't sell those in stores and you know where she's at and even down in like Colombia and some of the other latin american countries and all around they believe that everybody's a b you're just either a 32 to a 40 so someone with really large breasts that's actually very small is buying that bigger bra, and it doesn't fit, and she's been very open with her post, she looks fantastic, side unseen, sent the bras, Veronica too, and she's went through a transition with her weight, so she was one size, and then another size, but we were spot on, we also fit Veronica's daughter, because it's super important for me to fit the girls when they're young, so they never have to go through life getting to 40 or 45 or 55 or even sometimes women who are in their 60s and 70s that have had their first fitting and they never knew what size bra they were supposed to be in.
0: That is insane. I love that you you have to teach them because it's like you said, it's kind of like a a learned practice that people just assume you go to the store and they have your size and you have to like re-educate. So people are aware this is not your size. They don't know you. They have no idea your body type. They don't know the changes that you've been through. They have to get to know you personally to know what to put on your body. And I love that you're teaching that to people, especially at a younger age, because that can have a lot of lasting damage as you grow older, as you mature and get taller and your body changes, like you said, have babies. There's different things and there's all these complications that you could have.
1: I always refer it to how you wear your shoe. Let's say in America, you only had the choice of a seven, right? But in that seven, they made an A width, a B width, a C width, a D width, a wide width, whatever. But the length of your toe will have more space in a wider shoe. But in in terms of the front, it's going to cram your toes up. It's going to give you bunions, corns, all these things. Breast tissue is way more delicate. And that is the same thing that's happening. And that's why I serve on a board called I Will Survive, which is a local nonprofit that educates and helps women who are going through transitional changes from cancer. It's also why I go speak at, you know, help classes and try to do these things because the education is key and D is not big. So you can have humps, you can have moisture, you know, like sawing effect underneath. You can get yeast. Women have a lot of issues surrounding their breast health due to the fact that they're wearing ill-fitting bras.
0: This is insane. I'm so glad to be able to learn this because there's so much that I think that I know that I don't. And it's amazing that there's women who don't even know this. So I want to talk about Pillow Talk. So you have been on Pillow Talk with your best friend. You've been on Pillow Talk with Kelly, who we all love, by the way. And we will be happy to see you guys anywhere we can on any other <laughs> shows. So if, if there's any other shows you guys are going to be popping up on, we are very happy to see you and Kelly together. We approve. But um, what is the craziest moment on Pillow Talk that had you jaw-dropping? Because we all love your comebacks and how you <laughs> react to things. So what's one of the things that you saw on, on Pillow Talk and you were just like, is this really happening? This is insanity.
1: I think as of recently, it would probably be Debbie and Tony. Um, they were very uh, demonstrative and raw with their, you know, getting it in but it also made me feel happy I know that was probably hard for her but it also was liberating right because here she's been without her husband no man not getting any doing the thing and we saw her go through several guys and I was like yes and all that was going on in my head was like the old school 70s b grade porn he's like like yeah (laughs) but I also think it made Kelly extremely uncomfortable because we Mm -hmm. met Debbie in LA and he absolutely adores her and he was like oh gosh you know and so for me immediately it just stemmed from my business brain. Okay, girl, you're going to need some sexy stuff in the bedroom. Let me fit you. And so I sent her a message and she was grateful. Um, that was pretty jaw-dropping because yes. they they went there. It went a little more risque.
0: Um, yeah, I think they said on the tell-all that was one of the most risque scenes on The Single Life so far. And that says a lot. But I was just talking to Sarah Frazier on her show. And I'm super excited, too, for Debbie. She made a huge change. And a lot of people, especially women, think after a certain age they can't live for themselves and do things for themselves. And Debbie is showing us that it is very important to always love yourself and do what's best for yourself. I'm hoping that her and Colt can work it out. But at this point, I'm just happy that Debbie is happy.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think the other most shocking thing back in the day was uh with Tanya and Sinjin when she told him he wasn't mate. And I think from that moment on that had a huge impact on the dynamic of their relationship.
0: Um, it most definitely did. It, Ascension was it, extremely hurt. You could see it in his because face. Because
1: we were feeling that. And even now down to the to the today of it, I think they had a thing. I think they just didn't know how to work it out. And that happens with all of us, right? You can still yep. care for somebody and do it. But if you're not on the same playing field, and this is cliche too, but you know, if you're not equally yoked, It's very difficult when you don't really have the same ideals in mind. You thought you did, but then when it gets down to the, okay, it's time. It's time to do the thing. Let's play the house. Let's do the thing. There were some uncomfortable conversations that may have gotten missed or... The outcome wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And now you've already taken this trek. So yes. it's it's been such a great journey. I love it. I love travel. Um, I would never not go to all of these countries. I still want to go back to the DR. It was the most beautiful water I've ever seen in my life. And I love the country. I love the culture. You know, and it wasn't, I didn't go there looking for a man, honey. It just happened. But <laughs>
0: uh, <phew>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to switch gears and talk about Christmas time. So is Christmas your thing? Because Halloween is my thing. So is first of all, is Christmas your holiday or do you have a favorite holiday other than Christmas?
1: I honestly just really enjoy holidays, period. Growing up as a child, we made a big deal. We didn't have a lot. I grew up super poor in the country and we didn't have a lot. But when holidays came around, we always came together as a family. We played games. We ate food. We we celebrated whatever. It was a holiday or not. We celebrated just being together as a family. And my grandmother was the glue for all of that. She always managed to get uh, all seven of her children and 50 of her grandkids together in one small space and feed us all. So for me, I love to cook and I love to entertain. So being a host for me and feeding people and having them have a place to come to if they didn't have anywhere else to go is big for me and it's changed a little bit in the latter years because my kids are older and I'm trying to make them understand that's not all about you and I don't need you to be ugly because we're about to go deliver Christmas to like 20 families whose kids get nothing and that's part of the charity um because these women you know they they send in or the grandmother sends in and is like, I would really love to get my grandkid a Christmas gift, but there's no resources. Okay. So for me last year, and I don't say this to toot my horn because it really is for me. It really does something for me to be able to give back and to go. And when you witness that, even down to when I went to the DR, when you witness the the things that we take for granted, like ordering a pizza every night of the week, if I want to, or right having the things, all the things, you know, it humbles you and it makes you want to be a better person. And so I understand the spirit of giving. I've always had that in my heart. And I, my dad told me one time, you should open a humane society because you take in all the strays.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Oh, I love to hear that.
1: That's the most awesome thing he could have ever told me because I'm like, That's what this season is about. That's what if you are a Christian and you believe in Christ, then you're to give the gifts, you're to give and you're to tell people that they can have salvation. But it's about coming together for something amazing and really celebrating. And when you have the opportunity to give to somebody, I challenge everybody to find somebody to give to or go serve. If you've never served or or went somewhere for Thanksgiving that you had to serve homeless people. You have no idea how humbling it is and how it'll make you go back and be like, man, I'm an asshole or I shouldn't be like this. This could happen to me. You know what I mean? It changes you inside. And so I love Christmas. I love waking up, doing breakfast, making the big meals and seeing the surprise on my kid's face when I gift them something and they love it. So. And I love domestic gifts. I think that people think I'm crazy but if there's like a new kitchen gadget or something I always am like I want something for the kitchen and I'm like are you sure you don't want a bag I'm like no <laughs> cook and chill.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I'm I'm a huge Christmas person too. But like I said I'm a Halloween person, but I want to say I grew up also in the in the south and we were very very poor and actually in my religion we couldn't celebrate Christmas. So when I became an adult, I was able to to celebrate Christmas and having kids, you know, I really have learned a really big acceptance for, like you said, giving and doing things for other people. And I think that as a child, since we didn't celebrate it, we also didn't give. Our church didn't do much for people who did celebrate it because they didn't feel like they wanted to participate. But I feel like, like you said, it's it's more so about doing for other people and making other people feel adequate and making the, the children's faces happy that one time a year. Because I remember every Christmas, after Christmas, I would go places and all the kids would tell me what they got. And I never had anything to say. So I definitely feel 100% where you're coming from. And it's just making everyone feel loved and seen. It's so important. And I feel like Christmas is the perfect holiday to do that. And I love that you're getting involved that way.
1: Well, it's like if you believe in Santa, you don't want to have some kid not get something and take that magic away from them because we are on a program to believe that this is what happens. And my 12 year old, even though she's 12, she still has a very childlike mindset because of her um, fragmented chromosome. And she believes she believes in her heart of heart. She believes that Santa's going to come and and, in that magic makes me realize what my parents thought when they saw it with me because I, nice. I'm, please let her always believe like this because that childlike mentality, even as a dole, when you go back to it, it just keeps us young and it keeps us youthful and we play games and we do fun stuff and, and I love it.
0: So one more question before we go. So of all the 90 day shows and spinoffs, do you have a favorite? Like for me, I'm obsessed with the other way. I love to see how people try to kind of like what we were talking about, live in different, a, a different country and different conditions and try to test themselves and what they can and can't do and test their limits. So of all the shows, is there one of them that you're just like, Oh, and also the OG 90 day, obviously, but <laughs> is there one of them that you just think brings all the drama and it's just crazy?
1: Honestly, I might have to agree with you. And the reason for that is, is when I was on the show, I think right after my season, it took a little bit more of a turn, even though it was already kind of crazy um, because they did start adding in all these other spinoffs in the other way. And for me, I'm trying to learn about other cultures and other people. Mm. I try to see, okay, if I go there and visit, what do I need to do? Or what can I do? Or, and, and I like it. I think when you're taken out of your comfort zone of what we have here versus in other countries, you truly are tested as to whether or not you can do the thing with your person. And 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 I also think that you see where they're coming from when they want to come here because they're bred that this is the place to be, right? They really are. A lot of people really look up to us. And quite frankly, I don't know why. I mean, I feel like we're the most messed up country in the world sometimes when it comes to cultural adaptation and loving your neighbor and learning yeah. things about other people, even though we're a melting pot, like we got to get it together, we you do. know, and really appreciate. And I will say when I went to Dubai, I was blown away. The country was clean. The food was amazing. And the Muslim people, when the bell went off to go to prayer and to do the thing, I it's respected. I respect that because we can't even get people to go to church just to go to church and have a positive influence on a regular. So I really respect people who are that orthodox to their religion. And I mm. wanted to ask, I wanted to feel, I wanted to see what I felt. And I loved that so much. So back to your question, I <laughs> love not to say the other way too, but I will say I did the uh, Caribbean way, you know? Oh, Yeah. I've pillow talk that and uh,
0: that, is, like a that is a good spinoff. That is a good spinoff. All right. Thank you so much. I am so honored. I've been working so hard to try to get Miss Molly Hopkins on my show. And Ooh-hoo! we have finally made it happen. I feel like I could talk to you all day. Like, I feel like well, I've known you my whole life
1: up with some other things. And I'm grateful for you too. Thank you so much for keeping it real and trying to bring you know, a positive aspect as a blogger into this. And you know, I know sometimes it gets messy and the podcasts get messy, but thank you for focusing on the really good aspects of, you know, who we are and what we were before we were that.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And that's that's what I want to do. I want to put the love and respect back into blogging. I feel like it's it's been taken out and it's been missing. And that's my that's my goal. I want to just get to know you guys, your people first. You were on our TV and we've grown to love you and millions of people know your name, but we just want to know you as a person. And I feel like that's, that's my goal. It's just to make sure that you're able to have a place to just be yourself and let people learn about you instead of speculating about you. I feel like it's right. so important that you get to tell your story, not anybody else.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much. Happy holidays to you. And we will probably chat again at some other point.
0: I hope so. All right, guys. I'm George Massey. Thanks again to Molly Hopkins for being on my podcast. And everybody, having a wonderful holiday season. We'll talk to all of you really soon.
1: Bye bye.